This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast. And the season is finally over. The The Bees went out on a massive bang. They went up to Huddersfield and they scored five goals to boot. So just over one month ago, we had the Bees fans fearing relegation. A month later, we were firmly nestled within the top ten of the championship. If that's not a reason to crack a beer, then I don't know what is. Cheers. 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 I'm Billy Grant, and I've been here with you pretty much for most of the season, reporting from up and down the country, chatting to all manner of characters. And after doing a tour of the whole of London, all sorts of pubs we've been to in North London, South London, West London, Central London, we thought it's only time and fitting that we finish our podcast tour off back at home. The place where we sup our beer week in and week out. We're in the Globe in Brentford. Hey, Reds. Listen, this is a great pub, this. If you've never been here, great. Most friendliest pub. Paul, the manager's a wicked, wicked bloke. He sorts us out with loads of bits and pieces. Um, You get loads of props from away fans. They come here all the time and they say, what an absolutely great pub this is. There's actually three, to be fair, I'm going to name them, three of the most famous pubs in Brentford that people know about. The Lord Nelson, the Globe here and the Griffin. And the three pubs that people most know about. There's a lot of other pubs as well. But yeah, but this is the one. And we thought, actually... We need to finish off here at the Globe because we've actually never done a podcast in any of the pubs that we frequent the most, which is which is quite good actually, isn't it? So here we are in the Globe. This is great, and uh, so today we've got a huge end of season party. <laughs> and uh, very kindly, we've actually been plied with, or actually we baked for, gallons and gallons of London Pride, courtesy of Fuller's Beer and our local friendly booze, the Paul at the Globe. <laughs> so. They were hoping we'd get really drunk and say nice things about them. So I'm here in Billy Grant, and I'm here with my usual cohort, Mr. Dave Lane. Hello, mate. This is, uh, this is familiar, isn't it? We're, we're here quite a lot, but we've got a few weeks with, that we won't be at the Globe, so uh, 
Let's, let's, uh, let's finish the uh, podcast with a bit of a bang tonight. Let's finish off with a bit of a bang. And I've also got the usual caucus of uh, podcast posse. I've got Mr. Liberal Nick. How are you doing, Nick? Yeah, I'm good. It's good to be sitting down at the Globe and normally standing up, actually fighting off the... Not fighting off, literally, but having to skirt around the away fans, having a good time. But So it's good to be back, Bill. Sitting it's good to be back. And don't mention fighting the West Ham games at the moment now. We don't want to talk about coaches and windows or anything like that. So let's move on. And uh, we've got the Dutchman. The Dutchman, how are you? I'm very well, thanks. Really, very well indeed. As I say, probably my first time sitting down in the Globe. Um, may even try some food for the first time. And looking forward to an end-of-season podcast party. Uh, Savvy B? Uh, yeah, uh, all good here. I'd uh, just like to point out to the listeners that the, the cheering you're hearing is actually a sound effect put on later. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> indeed, indeed. And we've got Mr Matt Allard as well. Hello, Mr Matt Allard. I've got a stat of the evening. Here's my stat. That's right, the Allard, we've got the Allard as well. And also, we've got to introduce everyone else later because we've got loads of other people in the pub here now. We've got basically, we've got all our guests who've come on for the podcast for the whole of this whole show. So we've got great, you know, and we're going to talk to them later because we've got loads and loads of questions. But we need to crack on because there's loads of things we need to talk about now and the first thing we need to talk about is Saturday what a great day that was absolutely sunny beautiful day up in Yorkshire Brentford bang five goals Huddersfield one goal it was absolutely teeping tremendous as they say listen we're going to talk about that Huddersfield game but let's go back to the pub to hear what we said and the Huddersfield said in the pub after the game went back to Herbert's bar lovely bar that what we said after the game about the Huddersfield game it was a proper result and I think there's been a lot of negative feeling over the season as we built up. We got more and more happy. I mean, I have to give a massive shout to Dean Smith. He's done a lot for the team. I will be the first one to say when we were in that dire trouble, when we thought it was all going wrong, I was one of the first people to be questioning what it was doing. But he's brought a lot of the people through. And I think one of the people that we all talked about today, that we all feel is really finding his feet, is uh, Kirsch Baumer. I'm really happy for him. Couldn't be more pleased. And when we played today, we played a high line, we played the counter-attack. Every time we cut it through, one-on-one, and we've got the boys that can deliver on the other end. Every time, one-on-one, finishing how they do. It's looking good for next season. I guess, just you know, it's, it, it's counter-attacking, isn't it? And that what it, that's what it was today. Um, you can, you know, you can go up and look at the Premier League and see how Leicester are doing it. Um, that seems to be the way that we can, um, you know, we, we can get results in games at the moment, and that's what, and that's a that's a really good thing. Um, I think, you know, we have to have a little bit of reality check because we are beating teams that are below us, and that's been pretty much the story of the season. When we played a bunch of teams above us, we've lost. When we played a bunch of teams below us, we've won. Um, and um, and there's and there's still a lot of work to be done. Let's not kid ourselves. Um, we are a good mid-table side. Yeah, I'm a Huddersfield Town fan through and through, a season ticket holder. Yeah, um, pretty disappointing today. Uh, Brentford scoring in 21 seconds. It's 21 seconds to go, though. 21 seconds to go. You never know anywhere there's 21 seconds to go. Yeah, we... we yeah, not good. Uh, I just felt that uh, Town just weren't uh, turning up today. Uh, it's like we're already on holiday, nothing to play for. Having said that, pretty disappointing. They expected a bit more out of them. I think losing Jed Steer early on 
uh, replace... Is that your goalkeeper, yeah? Yeah, that's uh, our goalkeeper who, uh, who's uh, on loan from Aston Villa and going back there. Although we will be playing Aston Villa next season. Yay! Uh, so our, our new goalie, uh, he's never played for the first team before. I think he's only about 19. Uh, you know, he made a couple of good stops and then it all went pear chip. But having said that, our defence was absolutely atrocious and uh, Brentford deserved everything they got. So well done, Brentford. Now we have actually Jason Whiteley. Now, Jason Whiteley was actually the linesman at the game today. He, he actually lined the Huddersfield versus Brentford game today. And it was your last game today now. How, how, was, that, how was this game for you, Jason? Uh, emotional, busy. Uh, but, yeah, I asked to come to Huddersfield. Uh, end of season game, which didn't quite turn into end of season game. Quite a feisty little game. Uh, loads of goals, tight goals, but overall, fantastic game. Scott Hogan, as you see today, scored two goals today. What do you think of the Hogan? The Hogan? He looked good, looked good, looked sharp. He's faster than me when I'm trying to chase him down on the line. Yeah. No, he scored a good goal, I believe, as well. He scored a couple of good goals as well, yeah. So you're first goal, The first goal for Scott Hogan was very tight. That, that was on your side, was it? Very tight on my side, yeah. But happy, happy. What's the, champ what's the championship show tonight? I'm happy. All right, so, so basically you're saying that because Scott Hogan plays off the, the defender's shoulders and what he does, ball comes in and he runs off it and he's beaking the offside trap with his speed and his strength. But you're saying that you called that one right. He was not offside, is that correct? I'm, I'm calling it good, yeah. You're calling I'm it good, calling and, we're, good. And, we're, and we're going with you there as well. And we all agree. All the Brentford fans are 100% behind you in that one, mate. You know what I'm saying? Jason's the best linesman in Huddersfield uh, tonight. Well, I think the fans, pretty much like the players, have decided to go on holiday a weekend early. Actually, two weeks early. Excuse the voice. So. Well, you came out, you, pass, you push the ball well, you run off, you do the triangles, stuff that we've been trying to do with the new manager. Um, yeah, you got the goal, which was a bad back pass it wasn't really through open play really uh, your lad went through keeper did a good save first half that was Hogan who um, yeah. just to let you know that guy Hogan he's been out for two years yeah it's a good comeback he's had a good he's had a good 40 minutes and I think the second half we started all right we got that equalizer I actually thought here we go a little bit a little bit of football in the second half see how it goes and then for some reason they all changed into flip-flops and it all went chaos. It was an absolutely brilliant way to finish the season off. 5-1 away, some stunning goals, some players playing at their at their at the peak that we've seen them so far. I thought um, Ryan Woods came of age today. I thought Kirschbaumer put in a, a, a very, very good performance. At least one or two goals were set up by him. I think um, I think a couple of them are kind of revelling in the fact that McCormack's not been around, where they, they've had to step up to the mark. I thought some of Kirschbaumer's and Wood's service was, was, was kind of service that Jurisin would have loved. Um, we, I think some of the balls that were played through for, for Hogan, he, 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 would have, he would have loved to have gotten the end of them, but we, maybe we didn't, we didn't use him in the right way or he didn't get the right play. You know, say la vie, serendipity is that Hogan's back, He's on fire, Bill. So to finish off the season with a, a really good, sunny away day, up north, train trips included, nice, friendly boozer. Um, the locals have been excellent. I thought, I thought the Huddersfield fans, they got a lot of stick today, but I thought, credit to them, they, they sang with 5-1 down and they were still, still singing and waving their flags. You know, They can only do so much. I thought, I thought the, the, their stadium looked stunning today. Um, you know, yeah, what, what, what a brilliant day, mate. 
and apparently there's a song that's flown out there about the Championi song. How does it go, Legs? He goes, Oh, Championi, the one super bass. They say our days are numbered and we're going to the one. And now we'll be the Rangers and the Fulham just for fun. Oh, Championi, the one and only, the super bass. Huddersfield, what an absolutely teething tremendous, as they say, apparently, day we had there. It was really, really, really good. Uh, Ali, I mean, we just got to talk to the little posse who was up in Huddersfield today, and Ali Mullally, who's one of our guests today, you had a great day up there, didn't you? I had a great day, actually. I was um, a bit worried for the first 45, 50 minutes about Scott Hogan's goals per game average or goals per minute average, but that soon went away. And I was just, the atmosphere is great. I think best away days are always when the away fans are near the most vocal section of the home fans, like we were there, like we were at Reading. And I have to take the hat off to the Huddersfield fans, despite the fact they had a drum. 5-1 down and they were still singing. They were singing and interesting as well because you talk about the drum because we laughed about the drum when it was at the other end there, but there was down this end and that the ultras, they call the North Stand, um, I think the North Stand um, Massive or the North Stand, whatever they call, but I thought actually they were very, they were very good. And even though they had the drum, it's almost like they knew how to use it right and they had the guy in the middle and he was doing the stuff and the coordination and getting everyone to stand up and sit down, which if you look at it, you think it sounds actually rubbish, but it was actually quite good because they were getting battered and they were going absolutely mental they had flags and they had everything else that going on I just thought atmosphere and it's interesting you say that because we're going on about Lionel Road and what Lionel Road should be like I know they're putting the away fans in one corner somewhere and away for it and we're not happy about that because we feel that it's very important to have the away fans to actually generate the atmosphere and I thought that Huddersfield showed that the away fans and the home fans near to each other actually can generate an atmosphere but listen Laney um, you and the Huddersfield I mean you went up there for a few hours and you decided to actually stay overnight didn't you? I had a great day in Huddersfield, actually, yeah. Um, uh, I thought Huddersfield Stadium looks absolutely beautiful. Um, I, I love the design of it. it. It hasn't aged. It's not deteriorated. You've, I go to some of these stadiums that are all concrete, and um, after five or six years, they look tired. That's going to stand the test of time. You've got to do it different. Um, I'm hoping Lionel Road's going to be quirky enough in its design to make it a little bit different and it, it not become a best got. Um, I thought Huddersfield a bit had scrubbed up well. Some money been spent on uh, on uh, cleaning the place up, and it it, it, it looks really a, a really scrubbed up well. That's the phrase that's used, isn't it? Scrubbed up well. It's been, okay, been gentrified. Um, but it looks. Yorkshire, how can it be gentrified? Oh, come on, liberal <laughs> Nick. Oh, gee. Oh, a, liberal Nick at liberal.co.uk. Cut that out. Um, I thought Huddersfield looked great. Um, I thought the pubs in the evening, the people in the evening were brilliant. I, I had a, I, it was my unexpected groovy treat of the uh, of the season, to be honest. I, I thought Huddersfield would be just a dip in and out. I stayed the night and I really thoroughly enjoyed myself. Yes, I, I mean, I enjoyed myself as well. Like I said, Herbert Barr, Phil from Herbert's Bar actually took care of us and... Uh, all the Bees fans, we sort of kind of directed up them there and we actually took the place over. There must have been about 50 Brentford fans beforehand. And I thought what was really good as well, the old Bill, they were only expecting 100 Brentford fans and there were 602 Bees fans there in the end. They were completely confused. I mean, obviously, he had the ticket count of 450 a few days beforehand, but they had reported back when... Brentford said there's going to be about 300 Brentford fans. They laughed and said, ha ha, what for? But like I said to you, it just goes to show you the B support is still there, like, travelling all up and down the country. Had a really, really good day, which was good. And also the other thing was, 
the domination as well of the team. The team went out there, first half we scored the goal, but we played really good football in the second half, the absolute domination. It really reminded me, again, when we played Wolves, we played great football, everyone was raving about them, oh, wow, fantastic. Then the following weeks, we were rubbish, like, you know. So the fact is, I think that you can't doubt the fact that the quality is there in the team. It just needs to have consistency and the right coaching and all this kind of stuff. I think that's all very positive. The negative I have to talk about is just quickly, is the booing of Swift. There's about 10 fans, 15 fans maybe, and when he came on, they booed him. There was a little bit of a fracas at the back. There was just a bit of a conversation saying, why are you booing our player? Why are you booing our player? And in the middle of this conversation, Swift scored a goal, which I thought was absolutely tremendous. He scored it right in the middle of that. The person who was doing jumped up and down and started cheering Swift, which I thought was very strange, because it's like, if you're going to do something like booing, you might as well be consistent. But anyway, it's like, that's an open conversation for next year. Do we get behind a team support? Then we should do, and all that kind of stuff. But... Huddersfield, good day out, end of the season. But we've got lots of other things to talk about. There's a whole load of people around here partying around the table, drinking their beers and having a laugh. We're going to talk about stuff around the Football League and around Brentford and everything else. So we've got lots and lots to talk about. There's lots of things actually happening at the moment. It's funny, as soon as the season closes, bang! All sorts of malarkey and activity starts happening everywhere else. There's stuff happening at Brentford, there's stuff happening in other places. Um, as we said already, I mean, at Brentford, we talk about new players coming in. Players, players have been flying around. I mean, the world's worst secrets are out. I mean, apparently, Egan from Gillingham and Sawyer's, the deal is almost gone. I mean, that's something that's been talked about for about the last five months, I think it is. But it's out there in the open now, so, you know, looks like there's not the new players in. We're going to talk more about new players. They're both free, aren't they? Well, I mean, they're free now because they're going to be moving from one part of the country to another. But, um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, they're, 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 apparently they're on free transfers, even though apparently in the news the BBC said Egan actually uh, he extended his contract. So I don't know what's going on there. You know, maybe there's some sort of shenanigans to actually get some money out of us or anything like that. But hey, doesn't matter. Maybe he's going for the manners move, as we call it. He says, I've got respect to Gillingham, so I'll extend the contract so that you can get a bit of money from me, maybe, which is manners. But look, we'll talk about that in a later time because it's going to be June the 1st is where we talk about that where all the contracts are up and new players are coming in and then we have a little bit more clarity as to who is coming in who is not so let's talk about that later but other than that big news of the day as well from Brentford the academy closing if it hasn't produced any players in the three or four years it's been running and if it has produced what James Ferry maybe or Chris Beffham I don't know but if it hasn't produced any players then maybe the money being diverted towards the first team squad might be something to do with getting us to the Holy Grail. Yeah, it, it, it is actually quite a major news, the academy closing, because it's a totally different style of approach from what um, Matthew Benham and others promised uh, three years ago, four years ago. Um, and I think what concerns me is that it, as long as there is still the community feel to Brentford, because the, the one thing that the academy did was it used to pull in people from around the locale who became Brentford fans and supporting Brentford through either through because they played for the club or because they had associations with the academy and that actually means that the football in the community uh, scheme is going to work have to work that much harder because you know like it or not uh, while we beat QPR and we beat Fulham we are still only the fourth um, major team in London and therefore we've got to keep fighting for our future supporter base. Exactly. It's a real I mean it is a real shame. I think I think it's I think it's fundamentally uh, um, unfortunate. But you know I, I think Matthew Benham this year has shown a couple of times that if it's if it's not working he'll he'll he's not gonna put money in it, in it and it's not gonna he's not gonna hemorrhage money on what 
he hoped was a good idea. So, you know, we unfortunately we're going to have to rely on uh, um, to, um, Chelsea's conveyor belt to 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 un, un, un sort of earth the kind of the um, Savills and the, and the Swifts and the, those kind of players for us to pick up later on. I mean, the thing is, we, we do that anyway, and we've been doing that for years, yeah, and we've got, we got the Foreshaws and all those other people as well. We're, we're going to be relying on that more. We're relying on that as well, but from what I can gather as well, we'll still be scouting and looking at players, but I think instead of having an academy where you employ 4,000 people and loads of coaches and all this stuff, and you've got to put them in because you've got to get an academy grade level too. We won't, we won't I think, be able to bring them in at 15 though, will we? No, but then I think there's an argument to say is that you bring them in at a certain age and then they get poached anyway by other teams. So that's the difficulty is that how, how, how much can you do as a team up river? The problem is you can't compete with the, the Grade 1 and Grade 2. We're a Grade 2 academy and the Grade 1 can basically do whatever they want. They can get the pick of their players. Basically all, all the restrictions that they used to have on locality and stuff like that went out the window. And Grade 1 academy status costs an absolute fortune. Very few clubs can do it and they're all in the Premiership. And we, there's no way we can compete. I mean, the best, you know, we were spending money hand over fist just to get a grade two one. And basically, it just meant that Chelsea and whoever could just pick off all the local players anyway. So we were onto a loser there already. Sav's just basically said what I was going to say. <laughs> but I mean, when you, but when you say he's onto a loser, I mean, obviously, like you, you take your son to football and stuff like that. So you would like him to, to, to move to an area. And how, how do you think this might affect you or affect the people that you do work around with? Uh, seeing as my son has absolutely no talent for football whatsoever, it wouldn't affect us at all. Um, I, I, you know, I think it does. I think um, as a, well, our school is local to Brentford and the community sports trust does a lot of work in our school. But the boys who are talented at football, they're being picked up by QPR, Fulham, Chelsea, not Brentford. You know, give it a choice. They, they, they tend to go for Chelsea or QPR. I think it's just, I, it's, it's pretty obvious it was going to happen after our yearly financial that came out a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and it's not, not a surprise that it's, it, it's now the academy's off the agenda. Yeah, it's a real shame. Look, it's a return on investment decision, isn't it? You know, yeah. it's not producing, it's not producing the yield. I mean, you know, you got Tom Field came through recently. I think we can now kiss goodbye to local heroes coming through. You know, from a young age into the first. So, uh, listen, we, we, we're thinking about other bits and pieces. What's going around at the moment? We talked about Russell Slade quickly, and uh, Russell Slade apparently has been moved upstairs. So he was downstairs in his living room, and they've moved him upstairs into the bedroom upstairs. Like Russell Slade's head. That's right. He's been moved upstairs. At, at Cardiff, Russell Slade is not the manager anymore, but he's now the director of football and he's been put upstairs and the Arsenal owner uh, was that a hard move he went no <laughs> <laughs> it's brilliant it's like, it's like, so no up, <laughs> absolutely oh, no di no diplomacy whatsoever Russell Slade sorry mate see you later but we're saying managerial merry-go-round there's a few rumours flying around I mean our friend Mr Evans from Leeds United Steve Evans have you heard that he's going to Forest Possibly. He's a favourite for going to Forest. And also uh, Charlton, who have stuck with their managers, five, six, seven, eight, nine rubbish managers for ages. They've decided to take someone more local and uh, go for Northampton Town's Mr Wilder, apparently. And also they're going to change their policy, so they're actually going to go for more home-based players as opposed to the players that they've had coming from, uh, from Belgium and stuff like that, which is interesting. But I'm just wondering... We are on the managerial merry-go-round, which is one of Matt's favourites. Are the allies here? We've already introduced you by pretending that we were you earlier, Matt. And uh, but this is one of your faves, managerial merry-go-round. Anybody comes to mind for you? Um, off the top of my head, no. But generally, anybody that's in the bottom, <laughs> anybody, <laughs> anybody that's in the bottom half of the championship after about four games next season. Cheers. 
I feel sorry for me. It's always hard coming on a sub, isn't it, and adjusting to the pace of the game. <laughs> <laughs> and Matt's just proved that. <laughs> so, look, we'll, we'll, like I said, we'll keep tabs on that. What we're trying to do is we're just trying to race through and see what all the issues are. Now, we might come to that after we've had a couple of more pints of pride, but um, which is all good. Listen, what else is there that's been going down? We were talking about, oh, I know, it's going down. Talking about what's going down, let's have a look at the Premier League. I mean, we're looking forward to next season because obviously we're still in the championship because we finished ninth. But there are teams that are coming down. Villa, looking forward to Villa coming down. But there are three teams who are fighting it out for two places. Newcastle, Norwich and Sunderland. And any of those, two or three could come down. I'm going to put it around the table here. Now, who would you like to see coming down next season? Because, uh, you know... It's looking quite. It's looking quite good for us, isn't it, on the away day front? I would love to go to St James's Park. It's one of the stadiums I haven't been to. So uh, for me, it's Newcastle coming down. Newcastle and who then? Any of the rest, I don't mind. But it's just Newcastle for me. I think it could be all over tomorrow night. I'd love to see Sunderland come down because I want to go there. I've been to Newcastle. Uh, Norwich will come down. I'm pretty certain. And obviously Villa. I'm really, really looking forward to that day out next year. I'm actually going to go to an away game. Yes! <laughs> Newcastle, I'd love to go to, love for them to come down to go to St. James's Park. You just know it's going to be on a Tuesday night. <laughs> I think, I think Norwich. I think Norwich now are hoping they get relegated. Otherwise, they're only going to be able to charge thirty quid for away supporters next season, which, which, which will really. I mean, that that'd be bad for their economics. Yes. For me, it's got to be Newcastle. I went to the League Cup game there, which was the day after September the 11th, which is a really weird experience to go to football that day. So to go there for a TS play in the league would be fantastic. I mean, I've been to Newcastle twice, and we were right up at the vault, so it's all right, you know, it's all right night out and stuff like that. But for me, it's, I actually want Sunderland over Newcastle because I think we have a great welcome, we have a really good laugh. It's a completely different vibe up there. And I think Newcastle, even though I'd love to see them because they think that they shouldn't be down there, I'd love to see Newcastle. I don't want Norwich to come down, but I think it's going to happen. I don't want Norwich to come down either because I think... Well, sorry. Yeah, I don't want them to come down because I knew we'd be ripped off on ticket prices. Sunderland's got a great museum in it, though, the National Glass Making Museum. Fantastic place to go and visit. So I'm actually looking forward to that because pre-match pre National Glass Making Museum. Why is everybody laughing? No, 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 no. It's, it's fine. It's all right. The last time I saw something like that is when Slats, when we went to Lincoln and, and Slats went off a mountain to go and see some sort of steam train before the match, which I think is fair enough. I really hope Norwich stay up now. <laughs> uh, I don't want Norwich to come down either, but at least we get to go to that pub again. Is that a fantastic stuff? Fantastic stuff. I'd like to see Newcastle come down because when we played them before I was in university and I couldn't afford a train ticket and no one would lend me the money to buy one. And when that happened, I touched... Ant or Deck or both of them's bum on CDUK and then had a conversation with them about the game. So who knows what could happen if we go there again? Yes, who knows? If you're a publican, I'd say the team that you want to come down is Norwich, but only if the game's on a Tuesday. It happened a few seasons ago. I was gutted when the game was named on a Tuesday until they started banging on the door at quarter past 11 in the morning and they were still there at 7.45 drinking. That's when you want Norwich fans to be coming down there. So, so, I mean, any other, any other views on the Norwich-Newcastle? You know, no, we, I think we've got a vibe that basically it's Newcastle, kind of Newcastle, Newcastle very much on. We've got two North teams to replace. 
We, we have got two North East teams. Actually, no, we, and we need we need away grounds that we haven't seen Brentford win at for a while. We've seen them. We've seen us win at Norwich. Haven't seen us win at Sunderland or Newcastle for a few years. So let's have them. Yeah. Put on grounds. Of- um, uh, yeah, Newcastle and Sunderland to come down. But the only thing is, you can pretty much guarantee there'll be midweek away fixtures yeah. as Hull and Middlesbrough are this season. Yeah. Yeah, we'll go anyway. We'll, go, we'll be there anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah that's, good point, Matt, because actually there'll be three North East teams. It'll be bloody expensive away game. Look, anyway, we move on. Look, so we're talking about, we're getting excited about who's going down, but now we're going to get excited about who's coming up from Division 1. So obviously we've got Burton. Burton are up here. Now, uh, listen, it's funny thing because it's really funny because Burton, I think, sort of kind of came into the league when something like that, when we were we in Division 1 or we went up, so like, we were going we to miss them, weren't we? And we thought to ourselves, ooh, we're, we're never going to go to Burton. But all of a sudden, they just they popped up. I mean, they just like miraculous. And even though Jimmy Floyd Hasselbeck did a great job at Burton, and then he went, see you later, off to keep your eye. And they went, manners, cheers. Um, he went off, but still the new manager did the business and they're up there and they're going to be playing us next season. Now... Burton. Anyone know anything about Burton? John Mazzino is their captain. Anything else about Burton? And I said he'd play in the championship one day. And I'd love it if he plays it one game, one game. Burton, anybody? Do you know anything? I don't know anything about it apart from breweries, but isn't it brilliant? I mean, I just think, again, I think them being in the second tier of English football is a brilliant, brilliant story. And, you know, welcome. Come and join us. Three points or six points for us, thank you. It's going to be one of those games as well where, again, we've got this membership system, which we don't have to use that much in the season ticket system, but that's going to be one where it's going to be massive because there's going to be about a 1,000 tickets for that one, um, if that, probably. So you're going to have to be properly on the money to get a ticket for Burton. It's like the proper goldfish dust game, isn't it? Anyone else for a Burton? Apparently they're rebuilding their away ends. Their first priority for next season, story out today, because they've got all these local games, Derby, Forest, Wolves, Birmingham, loads of the Midland games. That's their, their number one thing to do, apparently. Huh? All right, so that's good. So look, Burton's coming up as well. Obviously as well, our friends who we missed for a season, Wigan. They uh, smashed the league up, you know, uh, with, uh, with, with, with absolute sort of kind of just smashed the deep. They're doing what they said, let's go away for a year and have a laugh down in that division. Of course, I'm not going to mention your Greek. No, because I, I, I never mentioned my mate Will Grigg, even though I was talking to uh, his brother Dan the other day. We had a good little chat about oh, Will Dan, and uh, how well he was doing and stuff like that. And uh, apparently Dan said to me he scored 26 goals this season uh, for Wigan and 22 goals a season before, which was more than Clayton Donaldson scored for us in Division 1. No, no, this was just a conversation between me and, and Dan Grigg. But anyway... They're coming up next season, Wigan, and we're looking forward to it because we've got a bit of a posse up there. We've got the Mud Hutter crew, you know, we've got all the, the Livesy crew, we've got the Vital Werbo from Vital Wigan, all that lot. Really, really good set of guys. And even though we didn't start off the best of foot with the foreshore thing and we were like at arms with each other, we kind of had peace when he we went up there to the Anvil pub afterwards. And uh, it was actually a good day out of Wigan in October, wasn't it? Well, beer, beer kind of pacified the whole situation as it normally does. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't necessarily welcome Wigan back, if I'm honest with you. I don't like going there particularly. Um, it's just, I think it's a soulless bowl. Um, yeah, but the chance to see Will Gregg play. The chance to see Will Gregg play. He's linked with Forrest today in the papers. So Forrest already linked with Grigg today. He will be on people's lists. He for, may for, not be. Forrest Grigg. Forrest Grigg. Forrest Grigg. Forrest Grigg Rovers, yeah. So, yeah, but, but again, I mean, Wigan. Anyone else looking forward to going to Wigan? Anyone looking at Wigan? Any thoughts on Wigan? In a word, no. Got, in a word, no. I've got a friend who'd like to go dancing in Wigan again. 
Wigan Casino actually. Very, very, very. It was played. But Matt, Matt. I missed it last season, so I'm really looking forward to going on the Wigan Eye. Oh yeah, that's true actually. Yeah, yeah. If you go to Wigan as well, there's like a, they've got basically like the, they've got they've got a, a, like a London Eye that they put in the washing machine and it shrunk. You know. So uh, yeah, it, it's, like a, it's like a hamster's wheel. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. It takes about sort of four seconds to go around and then you get off it and it's uh, that's it. But anyway, listen. Let's move on. Anyway, from 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 Wigan. So we have got the Wigan coming up as well. And then we have got Millwall, Bradford, and Walsall and Barnsley. So those are the two playoff games. Obviously, only one of those teams can come up. Now, any thoughts on who you would like to see out of this lot? Anybody else? I'd, like, I'd, like, I'd like to see Walsall just for the... Uh, yeah, yeah. Just, just for the Dean Smith link and just to see how it turns out and whether we went to the right club, whether it should have stayed where it was and just see where we were. I'd like to see Walsall take it. I just want to see Millwall because I want to see how long they can hold the mill. <laughs> 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 I want to see, I want to see um, Walsall cry on the telly. <laughs> oh, so, 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 but, but what does that mean? Well, I'm petty. That's what that means. <laughs> so does that mean? It means that they came down and they, they gave, they give Smithy dogs abuse, and um, they were pretty horrid. <laughs> and they, they're, they're, they're a miserable bunch anyway. Um, and I just want to see him cry on the telly. I want to see him balls it up in the playoffs. Against who? I don't care. So you don't care who comes down. So Millwall versus uh, Walsall. No, I, I want. Uh, well, I, I pro, well I prefer Mill to come up. I think we need another London club. I don't particularly like going to Millwall, but um, I'd rather I'd rather another London club than another slip up north. I want Barnsley to go up. Ooh. Have you ever been to Barnsley? No, but I know a guy that that had a box there, and apparently the corporate hospitality you can get you can get chips chips with gravy or chips with mushy peas. The selection is incredible. Right. Uh, okay. I've been I've been to Barnsley once and. Uh, Remember, actually, we went to Barnsley. We went to Barnsley, and then we drove to the England game at yeah, the England Wales at Old Trafford. So we went to Barnsley. Been there a couple of times, and uh, I must admit, I, I have vowed that I'd never go back there again. But anyone else? It's on the way to the northeast, then Barnsley. Apparently, Nick. But Nick's full of full of facts and information today. Got it. They've got an XB as well in Alfie Mawson. So uh, that's always quite nice to see XBs do well. If, as we were talking about uh, the academy Rick and, and academy and Will players. Rick and stuff, yeah. yeah. That's right, academy and players that didn't or did or didn't quite come out of them and so on and so forth. Anyway, look, anyway, we're moving on. So basically, uh, for me, Bradford City is the one I want to come out of all those ones because it's a good place, good, good place to go out, nice people, good ground, you know, good, 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 good vibes. And I mean, but Barnsley, I don't care. Uh, no way. Walsall, they're too miserable. And Millwall, I'm not being funny, I just never enjoy going to Millwall matches. We had a laugh there last time, but you can still enjoy, enjoy it. And of course, Brad, Bradford, the home to the National Media Museum. So, a, 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 museum, for, a museum for Nick. Oh, the Doctor Who Museum, you know I mean? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> so, Brentford this season, as we say, at the end of the day, I've got, we've got no idea. We finished ninth. We finished ninth, actually, because we, we, we did really well in the end. And uh, obviously, the organisation and stuff sort of saw it out at the end of the day. But what an absolute mare we've had in parts. We've had the, 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 the pitch. We've had the injuries. We've had the, the manager that didn't quite work out for us. We had another manager who didn't want to be a manager. We've had all sorts of malarkey that's happened. And we still finished ninth, you know. Look at Charlton. Charlton, like, you know, they just capitulated and they're out of the league. So... We've had a bit of a strange season, but we thought, look, this is the time for us to go back and reflect. And the fact that we are where we are, we could, we could even talk about these things and smile about them. And we, we, we thought we'd just go through a few little categories and think, look, 
what, what was this about Brentford that made you smile or made you angry or made you sad or anything like that? So I was thinking, first of all, I mean, let's go around the table and say, what was your favourite Brentford moment of the season? Anybody? Finishing above Queen's Park Rangers. Uh, my favourite was the Forest game and how the, the game started. Sorry, Forest home or away? Sorry, Forest away. And how the game started with a team that were devoid of any confidence and turned round within 20 minutes with a couple of goals to a team so full of confidence it was a joy to watch. And, and, and we saw at that moment how big confidence is um, in football, but especially in football when you've got lots of players that are somewhat unproven, trying to get themselves proven, young players, and that was all about confidence. Uh, Scott Hogan's first goal. It was just, you know, like Matt, I sit in New Road and he'd spent the first game he was on the bench the whole time grinning almost from ear to ear like he couldn't believe it. And you just knew he was going to miss that penalty. And then he came up and scored that goal. And the whole the whole wet place went up. All the players were on it. It was fantastic. I love what it. were these mental steps? Yes. Oh, I think we can all agree that Jurassic goal uh, in front of uh, the terrace for against QPR was, was pretty much my moment of the season all day long. I think my favourite moments are mostly around Sergi Canos this year. I think it's been an amazing, the spark we needed with Yotta going. You know, his goals, his celebration, his love of the club, the way he's just got involved and his tweets and his bitches and I think, well, you know, legend after one season is, is pretty tough for a 19-year-old. So from what Dutch has said, uh, obviously it's kind of sad to look about it now, but when Hotter came back from injury, the standing ovation that he got, that was absolutely brilliant, absolutely amazing. I think um, you're right to mention Canos, but I think we, we have to mention Judge. I think, um, I think his goal at Charlton was probably one of the highlights of my season just seeing him curl that curl that in towards the Brentford end. It was it was like the Fulham goal um, at Craven Cottage where he curled it in from the free kick and the place went berserk. But when, when he curled that in uh, at uh, the Valley, um, at the time, you know, at the time it was just a, a win against a lowly team. But um, I, I think the, the Forest game is, is the best 90 because again, as everyone said, it was the turning point. And Hogan coming back, him rounding that keeper on uh, on Saturday to score the fourth goal. Beautiful. Uh, I can't decide for me whether it's the first half against Fulham at home, uh, where you know we were in absolute dreamland, or several moments, Barbe's last-ditch tackles in the penalty area. This season he has been a revelation, and he's been really helpful, um, particularly to our other centre-backs as well, in teaching how great centre-back play is. So it's a choice between Fulham at home first half or Barbie's tackles uh, my favourite moment of the season which I think I've said before was uh, Fulham away uh, Hotter's goal and the first uh, the 10 seconds after that goal <laughs> but I, I just went berserk I just loved that I genuinely thought that we'd gone 3-2 up his celebration my celebration <laughs> my celebration went off for ages and that, that moment was just pure joy for me because he deserved it we deserved it if 5,000 Brentford fans deserved that. But not only that, it would have been the third match out of three that he'd scored a goal in the last minute as well. Yeah, yeah. Just, just pure joy, pure joy. I, I said that the last time I, I came on the podcast that one player that I, I could understand why the fans like is Lasse Vibe because he really puts a shift in off the ball. And If he had got the service all through this season that, uh, that he seems to have got after the international break, I don't know how many goals he could have scored because his, his goals for chances ratio must be sky high. And I think 
if we mention Judge, we must mention him because I think they've ended up on the same amount of goals. Have they 14 each for the season? But I think is tremendous for him because you know of all the of all the lads that came in, the seven that I, I personally kind of didn't have a lot of faith in. Uh, I think he's been the standout signing of, of those seven. What I'll say is also I'm going to have to give props to Mr. Grimes here, Paul Grimes. As you know, Paul Grimes was a guest that came on a few weeks ago, and what we did is that we wanted to get someone on as well who kind of had an opinion who who sometimes let's say we, we all criticise the club, but you had a lot of gripes about a lot of things, and I think we came on the podcast. It was a very good podcast as well. But what the good thing about it is that you put your opinion in there, and if I remember rightly, you were the first person that really bigged up Tom Fields. Tom Field, Field, you did. At that podcast, you said, you went, listen, and the thing is that, to be fair, what happens is there's always a pecking order of players out there. So you look at the Udemargas and all that lot, and everyone's always talking about Josh Clark, Udemarga, you know, uh, the ferries and all that lot. So they're all the people that everyone knows about, but you went, no, 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 Field. And we're like, oh, Field, what are you doing? He said, no, 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 Field. Like, he was not in the picture. But obviously, Smith came in, saw the field, and said, actually, mate, you're the one. So he's brought him in. So props, I'll give you the props, mate. You know what I'm saying? And my daughter was mascot for the second time for the Fulham game I've got to tell you this story I've got to share it with you she was mascot the first time and she was supposed to hold Jonathan Douglas's hand but he was at the back of the queue for some reason which you can't go into now so she got to hold Harley Dean's hand and he scored a goal and she and we won of course and she thought this is easy dad and then this year she's been the mascot again she was supposed to hold Sam Saunders hand but he was at the back of the queue and the TV not the TV people the, the guy at the front of the thing said no it's got to be a uh, uh, David Button or the captain which was Harley Dean the other uh, mascot was a David Button fan and they swapped them over and they made my daughter hold David Button's hand which is great because he got a clean sheet and as she was walking off the pitch after the toss of the coin I shouted out to Sam who was warming up at left midfield I said Sam can you grab her hand for me as she walks off and he grabbed her hand four minutes later he dinked it in with the outside of his foot <laughs> she thinks this game's really easy she's his mascot for the Fulham game for life for me a bit like Matt it was the Forest game and what it was for that was, was the Blackburn game was our match before that and I hadn't lost faith in the system but I really thought after that game we were really in serious danger of relegation that the full time at Forest the relief at that win that you hang on a minute we've won we've got Bolton coming up that is it we are going to start for another season the feeling at the full time was tremendous also, the, the other thing was the two goals at Reading, Woods' goal, Cameron's goal. To see those goals live, fantastic goals. That's my two highlights. To be honest, I think most people have probably had mine. I'd, Reading was great, Reading away for me with the, with the Canos goal and just the general feeling around that game. Sam's goal against Fulham, I got very, very excited indeed, as I do when it comes to Sam Saunders. And Don't just, we well, well, yes. And I think, like, other things, like just... This season's been quirky and it's been interesting and now we haven't gone down it, you can look back at it and think it was fun. I mean, when we had Kazi being caretaker for himself, you know, and that seems such a long time ago and all the interesting things that we've had, we've had, you know, strange betting patterns, we've had all sorts of things and it's been, considering that we've not troubled the top or the bottom, seriously, it's been the most interesting season for a long time, I think. Ipswich away is another one that can't go can't go without a mention where obviously Judgey got his leg broken and just to see the Brentford players rally and do it for, for Judgey I mean that may be slightly dramatic but it, I, I don't think it was I think they thought right we you know we, we really are going to go and show them and we played some great football that day and scored some goals Lassie VB celebration exactly 
Yeah, I mean, that was, a, that was a, I mean, that Ipswich game was definitely, a, I think that was a turning point as well. Um, you know, we talked about there's numerous things that happened. Leandro getting injured was possibly a turning point. Um, but that was definitely a turning point because you saw for once, and we've talked about this before, about, you know, the, to me, there's always been a team that's not been divided, but we've had the old team, the team that came in beforehand the, under Warburton and stuff, and then we've got the new team that's come through. People seem to be in sort of kind of in no man's land to a certain extent. But that game, we saw the players come together and they became part of the new Brentford team, I thought. And it's almost like it really solidified them. And after that, we've just gone on and we move forward. Can I just say, uh, off our first season in the Championship, where everything went to plan, I mean, everything, we were flying high, we went to the playoffs, da da da. We were due a couple of. Uh, Mishaps, and it all seemed to happen at once with Pitchgate, with Marinus, lovely bloke, but didn't work out, with all the injuries. It all seemed to happen at once. So maybe the second season of the Championship, we took a lot of issues that you know could have been spread out over two years. We took it in one go. And now, going into our third year, we're in a better position to deal with it. Uh, after all that I would like to think that you know <laughs> things that were maybe should have be been spread over five years came into one season actually more, more to the point look I, I'm going to talk because we're talking about the, your favourite moment of the season as well what I'm going to mention actually um, somebody mentioned Barbe before but um, there's one game which I really enjoyed as well which is Preston away and is the fact that before that game we were a bit peed off because we had James Tarkowski who went on strike and then he sort of disappeared off the scene and then we put Barbe into the mix for this game as well which we weren't kind of you know okay Barbe how is he and he came on and he got the ball and he did this cross field pass about 80 yards to Alan Judge who turned and scored the goal and to me that was brilliant and the chant after that who needs Tarky when we need Barbe that was just it's just a brilliant moment of kind of moving on very rapidly from uh, an old school situation spot on and someone else I just thought we just can't not mention Maxine Collin when he came on at Burnley away I thought my god this is some player this this guy is international quality and he looks head and shoulders above anything else we had that day and I, I think over the next year, two years, he is going to become a very, very special player with Brentford, hopefully. If not, we're going to sell him to one of the biggest teams in Europe, let alone ones that are in, you know, just decent in our league. So, we got, we got, we got the Coily. Coily, Darren Coily. Coily, he, he's been on a couple of the North London podcasts, if you remember his voice from there. Him and uh, also, obviously, Ian Westbrook is here as well, as well. And Greville Waterman, who unfortunately wasn't able to make it tonight. Uh, wish he's going out to Brev today, but he's had to stay in North London for various reasons but the Coily come on yeah favourite moment of the season I think a lot of them have been mentioned already um, I think all spot on I think there were a couple of favourite moments of mine this season they all seem to coincide with the international break <laughs> it seemed to be that whatever happened we would always be on a bad run going into that but whatever happened during the international break whatever came out the other side uh, we, we seemed to regain something that, that pushed us on this season thank God for the international breaks that's all I can say this season we're going to talk about the player of the year However, we're going to have to kind of put some rules into place because, look, there's, there's one favourite for this and the favourite needs to come out. Um, we were going to use a horse racing um, term for that, but we decided not to use a horse racing term because we are, um, uh, you know, we, we, we like to keep things, you know, kind of cool. So the horse racing term's not going to go in, but we'll, we'd rather use it to say it's going to be the Alan Judge Free Player of the Year. So who do you think would have been Player of the Year if it isn't the favourite Alan the Judge? Anyone? Hands? David Button by Miles, surely. 
I mean, not just this season, probably last season. You know, just I think we take him for granted, and I think when you see some of our interesting mishaps that we've had in defence, a lot of the changes that we've had in defence, and that we've not suffered as much from that as we could have. I think David Button deserves a hell of a lot of credit, and as a goalkeeper, he'll never quite get it. Again, and it's interesting you say that because it's it's quite worrying that David Button is our second uh, player of the season, and we've let in about 475 goals as well this season, so what what would it have been like without him? Uh, I'm going to say it just for... And I'm not going for a kind of out-and-out unbelievable player of the season. Uh, I'm going to go for consistency. And I think a little bit more credit is due to to my man, Harley Dean. Um, So I'm going to say Harley Harley Dean for for my backup player of the year. That's an interesting choice. Uh... (laughs) (laughs) We're we're, we're going to put your address on the bottom of this uh, podcast just if anyone wants to visit your house, Nick. My my player of the year might actually be, and and it's also not not because of the number of games that he's played, but because of the the persistence and the resilience he's shown, and that's Scott Hogan. Uh, It must have been really hard to battle back to fitness given the serious injury that he he suffered. Now he's back, he's fit and he's scoring goals and you've got to admire his dedication. I I just want to back up the last two actually. Harley Dean I think gets a huge amount of stick. Yes he makes mistakes but he is, he plays with his heart on his sleeve and I like a player who plays with his heart on his sleeve. And he has saved us on numerous occasions as well. And Scott Hogan, I mean, I don't think we could have dreamed, I don't think he could have dreamed of what he was going to come back to. I think it's an incredible credit to him and to the medical team what he's achieved. See, I don't think we can overlook Ryan Woods either, because I, I think he, for a young player that stepped up from Shrewsbury, made his debut against Leeds and made a bit of a bit of a balls up, but from the moment he touched the ball, his meerkat, slightly foreshore-ish kind of stance, I see an absolute player there and he's going to get better and better and better with Brentford. So, but yeah, maybe Vibe as well, and I think Colin and Barbe and Button. But we, maybe it's not, not, you know, maybe we're just saying it's been actually not a bad season. I mean, Danger Now sounded like a 50-year-old man obsessed with a 19-year-old Spanish boy. <laughs> but <laughs> that being said, I will throw in Canos for just the, you know, the, the youthful enthusiasm and general lift that he gives when he gets the ball. You know. <laughs> You've probably just lost two listeners being my kids. <laughs> I think with Canos probably being one of the more exciting things this season, I think, as some of the others have said, Hogan is the, the guy who's made me feel really, really excited for next season. And I don't think you can overlook that. Finishing the season, we could have gone out with a win part. We haven't. We've gone out with a bang. You're seeing Hogan banging goals in, and all of a sudden, it's not even pre-season. You're thinking, hang on, what can happen next year? All sorts of things. Uh, second vote for David Button. I think he's been fantastic season. I think he's saved us in so many, so many times. But as a close second, Maxine Collin. Um, he's just been fantastic every time he's played. He just looks, yeah, he looks unfazed by him. Yeah, I'd like to go for Barbe, just because I just love, love the way he plays. Uh, I, I just really enjoy watching a player with that much sort of skill and poise. And those, those sliding tackles are just gorgeous. I mean, I just love them. Oh, dear me. 
just those left-footed sliding tackles. For me, I, I want to give away to Lasse Vibe because although he's finishing up in mid wayward early in the season, he always put the effort in. He was always there, always looking for the ball. And once he scored that goal at Forest, the confidence added to his game made him look a really dangerous strike. I think next season he could be some player. Uh, there's a guy out in Spain, lives somewhere near Malaga, and I'm certain if he was here tonight, he'd say that the player of the season was Constantine Kirschbaumer. So Malaga kid, this is for you. Because I'm sure you think he's the best player we've had. I think he's been brilliant at hiding until the last couple of games. And in fact, he's actually pulled off a couple of assists. I can't believe it. I've got to take me out off the Constantine Kirschbaumer. Against Fulham. Against Fulham. That's right. Against Fulham as well. And, 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 and for me, Canos as well is, is my He's wicked, and the reason why Canos forget about the skills on the table, you know, on the, on the pitch. You've got all sorts of skillful players out there doing stuff, passing the ball, and doing brilliant stuff. And Barbe, I love all that, but for me, I really love an attitude. And the fact is that his attitude has won me and won a lot of people over. He is absolutely brilliant, and I, I love the fact that somebody will come to our club and he, he, he basically bleeds red and white and when you're a fan that's what you need people like him people like Chesney when he came here they bled red and white they, they weren't really our player but he's done that and the fact is that when he goes back to Liverpool if he, don't, if he can't get back again we'll wish him all the best because he has done the right thing to do so listen but listen but on the flip side of this um, if you just think about that, we've been raving about the Bees players. I want to know is that who do you think has been the biggest surprise of the year, right? And uh, the Allard, I mean, I know you lot, your technicalities, you've been actually kind of analysing this and you've probably been thinking about this a hell of a lot, haven't you? I'm going to pick two. I'm going to rule out the, the new signings because who, because actually they, what happens is, and I, and I might make this argument about one of these players, is they get written off after people see him play like three times. Um, so I'll, I'll give you two players that, that this year I think have surprised all of us. Yanaris came into the season with a stock so low, people did not want to see him playing on the pitch. And, um, and, and, and then you've got Sam Saunders, who the groans when he started appearing again in a Brentford shirt. And let's, and let's be... <laughs> And, and let's be and let's be honest. Those two players have been regular fixtures in these last um, eight or nine games when things have turned around. Um, so fair play to both of them. And you got to say also fair play to Dean Smith for actually stick, seeing them, having a look at it, sticking with them, doing whatever system he felt right, so that they that, that they work with it. And we said from very early days in this podcast, from last we kept saying. It seems like he likes that Nico Yonaris guy. He's putting him under his wing and he's going to turn him into something. At the beginning, it looked a bit so-so, but he's obviously done the trick, hasn't he? Yeah, I mean, Yonaris is, is looking like a, you know, look, looks at the moment like a quality player. It's, it's, it's really all going to be about whether he can really mix it when it gets, you know, when it gets difficult in midfield. And we're, we're going to learn more about him. But the thing is, don't write players off, is, is what I'm saying. Saunders has basically done what he's always done. We've written him off at the beginning of the season, and then he's, he's turned it round during the season. It doesn't seem to matter how high up the leagues we go, Saunders always seems to turn things around, and fair play to him. Yeah. I, I was going to say Nico as well, actually, because I think him, and you've got to give credit to Dean Smith. When I was last on the podcast, Nick and I were sort of like rather... Not great fans of Dean Smith, shall we say, but he took that decision, put Nico in midfield, and I must admit, I rolled my eyes to the heavens that day, going, what the hell is he doing? 
and it, it was an inspired decision because Nico has somehow given up, he's covered the back four and he breaks up the play in the way that um, Digaraga used to do and I think it's been a real revelation also I think Al Mack's been very underrated since he's come back he's given us a bit of steel and bite in midfield as well uh, I don't want to give him a massive ego because I'm the third person now to say Nico Yanaris. remember when he played I think his first game was, against, was away at Carlisle a few years ago and he was shit the ball was part. I remember the ball being passed to him out out on the wing, and it went out for a throw on because he couldn't wrap his foot around it. He was rubbish. Since then, he's mostly been rubbish. But this season in midfield, he's been fantastic. I think. I think. I think. I think he's. I think he's been working hard, and I think Dean Smith's done a great job of playing him in a slightly different position. And he has been. He really has been really good. But, but again, isn't this coming down to this whole thing about football? Because people just turn up and they expect players to come on the pitch and just do the business. And isn't football be about coaching? So what you do is that you see a player, you think, right, you're right, you're going to do the job. Then you get the coaches to do it, and you get them up to the stand, and that's what it should really be like. And I think the problem that we've got half the time is that we get these players coming in and you expect them to just walk on the pitch and just do the business straight away. Now, if they did that, they'd be costing £9 million, and, and, and that's not really where we're at. You know, we need to have a proper proper coaching system that's going to bring them into, into the fore, isn't it? So Dean Smith is the first coach then that's actually managed to get, get stuff out of him. Obviously, Warburton, Warburton didn't do very much with him. Uh, Dijkazen hasn't done much with him. Carsey did a little bit more. Um, but Dean Smith is the one that. But again, really with the different managers, maybe they've got different people and different styles. And Warburton did great stuff with you know Andre Gray and other people. So you know what I'm saying? It's just different strokes, different folks as well, isn't it? You need to give people a chance, and you need to give people a season to, to find out what they're all about. I think you know. Again, once again, during the course of the season, if you take snapshots of three or four games, where I have a brilliant, awful, but you know, it's, it's a bit of a cliche, but a season is nine months long, and we. Are, we finished ninth so in periods we were awful in period, periods we were champions but over the course of nine months we were ninth and, and we were pretty good I think the interesting thing and I was going to say generous sorry and um, Saunders again myself the first thing I really thought about Yanaris was when um, we played at Sheffield Wednesday and we were dreadful as we know and um my best friends from Sheffield and I was sat with their family and they're turning around going oh that Yanaris he's the best player you've got and I'm like sorry hey huh and they were seeing something that we haven't seen and I think you get into a mindset of thinking that guy's good that guy's not good and last time I was on we were talking about Dean Smith and how we weren't really sure who he was and we weren't really sure if he was you know, just a puppet puppet, and all of that. But actually, the things that we're seeing, when we're sitting around here saying, yeah, OK, we all thought, you know, this was no good, he's playing in, we all thought, well, well, some of us all thought Sammy was done and dusted, he's seen that. The thing that we're, I think we're seeing about Dean Smith now, that we maybe didn't see at the time, is if nothing else, is his own man. And I'm not sure we gave him the credit for that as we were going through the season. Two very quick things. Nicky Yanaris... Um, I don't think he settled into a position very quickly. Now he's settled into a kind of midfield role, and it's working for him. Uh, and I think yes, he's probably our like most underrated uh, up-and-coming player of the year. But I wonder how well he would mix it with the best of the best in that position. And second of all, I'd like to rate Dean Smith for the man management of of players like Yunaris, who say, "Look, we'll give you a role, we'll give you a throw out, and we'll, we'll, we'll back you in that position." And I think he's done very well for that. <laughs> 
And that's the words from Edward the Headwood, who was on a podcast a bit early in the season. Uh, when we went a bit posh, we were up the hospital club that time. Um, but as you can see, we've downgraded and we, uh, we're not as posh as we are anymore because uh, it was very expensive that night. But anyway, we'll move, move on. Yeah, I mean, for, for me, you've got to look at Dean Smith and the players he's had available. I think one of the things that has benefited him, or he's been able to use the skills he's really got, is when he's suddenly got 14 players to play with, no more. And he said, OK, how do I make the most out of these 14 players? When uh, Leandro got injured, OK, you have to put Vibay on. So how do I get the best out of Vibay? OK, I'll put Yanaris there, I'll put him there, I'll put, do that over there, and I'll make them play this way. And the best way to get... get Vibay playing is to play the balls this way and that way and he set up the team and that team responded and played and we got the best out of Vibay I just want to know what category we bring in Jake Bidwell because we've listed most of the team uh, you know Bidwell is he the most underrated he's the most improved he's just very very solid and it just seems slightly remiss that uh, I guess in terms of all that surprise package his captaincy he's a quiet captain you know he's not a shouting captain but He's a pretty solid left back at this level and he steps up to the championship and you know he's a regular in that position and I think he deserves a mention in a category so let's put him in this one. I just want to introduce a note of caution and it's picking up on the point that Sav made is that Dean Smith uh, came in, uh, was presented with a situation whereas Sav rightly points out he had 14, 15 players to choose from so he, so he was forced to work with a limited group of players um, and that's why, and you know, I'll get crucified for this, I know, but that's why still that there has to be something saying, Dean, is, is Dean Smith the right guy? We'll, we'll know early enough in the new season when he's got a full team, when he's got a bigger squad of players to play for. But I just introduced the note of caution because, you know, we did go through a rough patch and we've ended up on a high but we went through a really rough patch with the team and there was a danger that we were approaching relegation. Uh, to be fair, every team has gone through a pretty rough patch. Our rough patch was about what, four or five weeks and I'm not being funny, Forest, Leeds, you know, all them teams have been through rough patches and what we do, and we said this before, the Allard said this before, when we say our things, a lot of other characters, we don't see what's going on in other people's worlds, but if you actually kind of monitor their, their message board and stuff like that, you think that their pain sometimes is worse than ours. I'm just, I'm, I'm just, you know, I can't, I, I can't fault Dean Smith for where he's taken us. I just want to introduce a note of caution and remember that I think it was longer than four or five weeks, Bill. It was more like two months that we were, you know, flirting on the edges of relegation. Uh, Again, you know, I'm, I'm with I'm with Nick. I'm not convinced about Dean Smith, and I said that, but the last time I was on, what I would say, uh, Hasselbank joined QPR one game less than uh, than Dean Smith, and if you look, what I mentioned the last time about what Smith has to do to improve us as a, himself as a manager to improve us. I mean, his, his win ratio as a manager was 33%. It's creeping up to the low late 39s, early 40s now. Hasselbank, same amount of games, his win ratio is 25%. Um, it's gone down from when he's at Burton, but the difference over 28 and 29 games that the two managers have had for two different clubs is six points, so two wins. And, and a totally brought about in a different way, Hasselbank has kind of stopped Rangers from losing games, and they draw far too many games, but they're not losing. And I, I, I really fear what they might do next season. I really do fear them next season. 
Okay, so the fear is of keep your next season, but we don't have to worry about that because we're going to have a lovely summer and we're going to drink lots of sangria and line the sun and do all sorts of stuff when the sun actually comes out. But look, we've talked about sort of uh, the players of the year, the biggest surprise of the year, but we've got to talk about this in the most respectful way because, like I said, we don't boo our bread for players, but also we have to, you know, we're, 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 all, we're all adults here. So we'll turn around and we say, look, there's some players out there who maybe you would like them to actually do a little bit better. So if there was a must-try-harder award for Brentford players, has anyone got hands up to say who they think it might be? Uh, if he stays, it's Swift. Must-try-harder. He's, he's got, he's got a, if he comes back, stays, whatever, huge talent, but needs to tackle back, needs to work harder. It doesn't, his work rate is not good enough for me. I wouldn't say a must-try-harder category, but maybe a loan them out and see how they get on somewhere else, like Yanaris and others. I think KK, Gogia, there's a few there that I think, you know, have got potential. They've clearly grown this year with the ups and the downs of the season that we've had. Uh, I think all the players have developed and grown and become better players for the experience, albeit a nightmare that it was between January and March. We were really the lowest the low, you know, the... the in the doldrums, if we can if we can loan out a few players and bring a few in, and if we are getting rid of an academy, still have a pipeline or a batch of players coming through who are getting developed somewhere else, but know the Brentford way, can come back and play for us when we hit an injury crisis, when we hit whatever, then I think we will be in better shape for the new season. So, so did you give us a sort of must try better? Did you give anyone? Did you name any people? Gogia and uh, Kirschbaumer. Not try try harder. Send them out on loan to try harder somewhere else. Um, yeah, the loan thing's interesting. It makes you wonder if the, if we hadn't have suffered all the injuries that we were going through early on in the season, whether that opportunity would have presented itself. Because um, it we you know it, it seemed to work for I guess for Yanaris uh, last season at um, Wickham, um, and it and it would have been nice if we could have sent you know some of the players that ended up being like you know literally 12th man or in some cases having to play if we could have sent them out on loan and um, maybe things would have been different in terms of a must try harder you know what I haven't seen that much evidence of people not trying hard this season I know it didn't work at times and I know the team were under confidence at times but the one thing I, I, I can't really fault any of them for not trying I, I hear what people say about Swift but I think that's just the way he plays you get you get players like that sometimes and, um, okay I mean let me define the water it's not like yeah. the players aren't trying okay. It's, it's, it's kind of like, I don't want to say should do better or could be better kind of award. I think the biggest disappointment for me was Jurison. Um, whether it was the injury that sort of cut him off in his prime and he never got fit again, um, I don't know. But yeah, Jurison then. But Well, I think KK had his closed season back in the last international window because I think just when it seemed like the whole crowd was turning on him, he has he has put in the kind of performances that you just as as a fan wanting players to do well. You could you could only hope, you could only dream for him. He he looks like a player that can do something for us now. Where six weeks ago he looked like a player that really was just hanging on in there, player that you would just wish he wasn't on a four-year contract. Now I think. There's, you know, you, you may not be a week in, week outer. I think you still probably would, you know, you still probably would want a more accomplished. But you know, he's setting up, he's setting up goals. He's fighting the the, the, the Fulham game. He really put in a shift. And and up at up at um, Huddersfield on Saturday, he, he, you can see it. He cares, and that's that's all you can hope for. 
Yeah, for me, there was one player that came sort of, you know, with a sort of big price tag and everyone was sort of triumphalist about him. And Andreas Bjelland, what has he done? He's done nothing. Rubbish. He's got to be proved next season. We, we have to, sorry, there's another player that we, we, have to, we haven't seen anything of, is McEachran. He's, he's, someone, he's probably, we've not even mentioned him at all. He's another, you know, we pay almost a million quid, 750,000 quid for him. He's another player, you, you say, you know, we, you know, flippantly not Bjelland, but there's, you know, there's, there's almost two million pounds worth of players there. We haven't seen the Kepra and Bielen, so we got them to look forward to hopefully next year too. I mean, if the, I mean, the five players. I mean, we brought seven. I think seven players last, last summer. We looked at them, and there's to be quite honest, five of those players. I'm, I'm, I'm very, very, very hopeful for. I've seen, and I think you know, five out of seven is not too bad. There's two players here. You've missed Josh McEachran. I actually think. Josh McEachran is a, a very good player, a very good technical player. But again, it's one of these things where I think that it's almost like the team has moved on. Um, the team has moved on a lot from where we when he first got signed. You know, we came on, we had um, we had um, Marinus come in playing his technical football, and Josh fitted in really well. And the football that we play now, I don't know, is kind of right is right for him. And also, so I'm not sure about where he fits in. But also for me, even though I'm sure his heart's at the right place, it's Hoffman. Hoffman, and I'm not slating him off, there's something about him that I really like, but if you're looking at the seven players that we brought in, or however many it is, Hoffman's the one player that I think, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just not quite 100% sure whether or not you need to just kind of turn it up a little. He had a big chance against Sheffield United, we had a player sent off, and so Barbe was sent off, so Hoffman was on there, and he could have done the business, and he just chilled. Wednesday, sorry, Wednesday. Sheffield Wednesday. Sorry, Sheffield Wednesday, and he just absolutely kind of just like trotted around like there's no nobody's not going on. And that, and that was that, that was his that was his big opportunity. Jack, Jack Bonham maybe is another one that I think um, he, I think the, the the coaches see potential in him, but in first team games he's he's not given he's not shown anything. Bonham's played four games maybe this season, so. It's a bit tough to judge him on four games and a couple of cup games. He's got two years left on his contract. He's a brilliant understudy. Gets on fantastic with his mentor. The goalkeeping coach loves him. And if he turns out to be a player, the fact that he kind of looks like he might have a really cranky shit personality, I don't think he'll come into it. I think he's a good goalkeeper. He's a good goalkeeper. Just saying very quickly, backing up what Bill said, out of the players that we've bought and brought in this year, that we've all had our doubts about at some point, um, Everybody has had that moment or they seem to have realised they need to put that 5% more work in and, and, and it just seems like Hoffman, yet he might try but he might not have worked out he needs to put that 5% more in to be as good of a player or to be a championship player yet. Must do better, Harley Dean's agent. And, and as we said, we're going to leave Liberal Nick's address and telephone number at the bottom of this podcast <laughs> for anybody... Uh, any players who would like to uh, talk to him uh, at any stage of the time. Let- <laughs> but anyway, listen, let's move on. Let's move on. We're going to ask people, we've sort of talked about our favourite moments. Have we talked about our favourite moments of the season? We kind of have, yeah. Right, we've got to talk about our worst moments of the season now. Uh, there's a lot of groans going around the table now. Worst moment of the season, anybody. Hands up, who's... who's oh, Jesus Christ. I'm, I'm, I'm under. I'm all under it here. There's hands all over the place. QPR away when I nearly cried on the telly. It was awful. It was, I've never, it was just so, 
I said at the time it was so poor and I just at the time I couldn't see where the next goal the next point was coming from and it was watching players like Harley Dean being afraid you know not knowing whether they should go to the fans or not it was a horrible experience I just a week later in that Blackburn at home as I mentioned earlier coming out of the Griffin Park then oh, that's it we're going down all that hard work to get in the championship has been wasted that, that was my worst moment yeah Blackburn at home losing to a 10 man team uh, that, that was and we weren't taking any shots that, that was my worst moment Sheffield Wednesday at home as well where it, you know, all, all our hopes all, all our dreams started to be right. it, it, all the negativity really started it, that was the last game for Marinus um, not that I was, you know, not, not it was particularly disastrous to, to have lost him, but I just think that was the start of the rot, the pitch gate, Bielen getting his knee done, Oxford at home when we got trounced, you know, it, there, there was a lot of negatives. Uh, for me it was uh, Derby away, it was Lee Carsley's second game, and we just provided nothing. They were just so much better than us, they were miles ahead of us, and we just looked really, really weak, and I just thought, well, you know, we've got this new manager in and he's doing nothing because on the back of the Sheffield Wednesday game, no, Birmingham game, we didn't do anything. We had the Derby game, you know, going away, spending the money and it was just a bit shit. Um, so I've just referred to Birmingham at home um, and the, the game was horrible. We, we, we were all literally confused as to what was going on. And then, and then I remember four of us sitting around this table were sitting around the table, shivering outside um, the Griffin, um, only to hear that um, our new manager didn't want to be manager. And to be honest, at that point, I wondered what on earth was going on at the club. For me, and this, I don't know, might be a bit soft, but it's just that awful, awful feeling when you realise that Alan Judge, who, of all the players that have agitated to leave and made it impossible to keep them, who stayed with us, OK, yeah, we made a lot of effort to keep him, but who stayed with us to get that chance to go to Europe and to do all those things, to have him have that horrible injury. And it almost... And at the time, even for us, it almost seemed like all for nothing was just awful, just really awful. I'll go with the Tarkovsky, Strykovsky bit, you know, to leave the pub and then sort of hear that news and go to the game thinking, what the... You know, one of our players has gone on strike. Really, is that where we're at? You know, we're at a difficult time at that point of the season as well. And you know, it got to that point where we think these players don't even want to play for us now. And that, that was a real worrying, pivotal moment for me. Uh, my worst part of the season was, was, was the Tarkowski saga. And I still can't believe it was allowed to happen. And I still can't believe that player power can, can be anywhere near that powerful where someone can turn around and say, I'm not in the right frame of mind. And to then be allowed to get the transfer that he that he craved for when he had so much time left on his contract, I would have put him in the reserves for at least six months and said, "Well, you've just blown your chance of a championship medal, which you didn't get anyway." But uh, well, until today. Anyway. So, so you got four million pounds that you would have just parked it. That's the problem. That's the thing. Well, is that you put him in the reserves for a year and you, you, you've blown yourself four or five million pounds. That's isn't it. Well, you haven't. You haven't because somebody's still. If he was a good enough player, somebody's going to offer four and a half million pounds. If our circumstances were that we needed that money, that's a different subject. Have you seen the accounts? For six months and comes back next year and starts playing again, and you know, and he's, he's playing in the form that he kind of was getting into because he was prone to massive mistakes. And he's still prone to massive mistakes, I'm, I'm guessing. He'd still be worth three or four million pounds. But I think this is the argument, and this is probably why, you know, it's probably good why we're not in this position, is that 
it's the balance up between ego and economics. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. the ego puts him in the reserves. The economics says, I'll take the five mil, please. Thank you very much. And we get, we get another player who we think is probably better than him. You know what I'm saying? And I think we that's... All, we already had a better player, didn't we? That's what, well, that's we what... We had a player to replace him. So he could have easily gone in the, in the, in the reserves and not got his transfer and not got his champion. And we wouldn't have got the money, five mil. Well, we, we might not have got the money. And if our financial circumstances were the reason why we let him go, then that, that, then that is a different story and it's a different kind of where, where we should be talking about. But this is the situation. It's like, if we've got a better player, or potentially a better player, and we get £5 million and he doesn't want to play for us, why just put him in the reserves? So no, one, no, one, no one thought, no one from Matthew Benham down thought that Barbe was better than... Tarkowski at that time. We get five million pounds. We'll find another player as good as Tarkowski. Well, listen. If it was my money, <laughs> if it was my money, I'd have taken. If he hadn't gone on strike, I'd have taken the money the moment they offered it. You know, if they offered us money during the January window for him, I'd have taken the money for for him. But for him to go on strike and then get his dream transfer move. That, that just really hurt me. Well, he obviously didn't. He obviously went on strike because they offered one million pound and we wanted five, and that's the reason why, isn't it? Yeah. Well, uh, just you know, to say he's not in a right frame of mind to play football. That's you know, that's him. And and, and then. Did we get more add-ons for it? We'll get, we'll get more. We'll get more. Listen, it's, listen, Tarkovsky. Thank you very much. And uh, in fact, to be quite honest with you, talk about Tarkovsky. Shall we? Um, we need to get a whip, in, whip round for him because he didn't get a medal. So, uh, any ideas? No, well, we need to make him feel a little bit better because he must feel a little bit down at the moment because he's, you know, he's, he's gone up to the Prem. So, we're going to have a little whip round for James Tarkowski to make him a little bit of a present and we're going we're to buy him a Rubik's Cube. So it's something for him to learn while he's sat on the bench next season. <laughs> Rubik's Cube's not bad, but it's still, I mean, which is, I think is a very good idea, but he's still missing a medal. So if anyone's got any other ideas as to what we could do, or if anyone's got any sort of kind of paraphernalia or bits of pieces that we could send up to, 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 to Burnley for him, uh, any thoughts? I've got goal soccer centres, kids' parties menu, medals that I could send to him. Okay. He needn't worry about uh, missing out on that uh, championship winners medal. At least he'll get inducted into the Brentford Hall of Fame one day. <laughs> well, we uh, <laughs> we won't talk about that. What was interesting? He said on his Twitter account along the lines of, "Do I seem like the sort of person who'd refuse a championship medal?" And we were going like, "Yes, you seem exactly like the sort of person who'd probably refuse a championship medal." I think we should all chip in, get him some beer and pizza because he's clearly not had enough this season. But listen, I mean, the question is as well, I think he's played less than 220 minutes for Burnley this season, and I don't know how the rules go, but if you've played sort of like less than sort of three games, again, do you qualify for a championship? I I don't know. I think he came on as a sub or started in as many as 12 games. I don't think he's, no, I think, you know, he started two games and I think he subbed in about three, two or three. I think 12 was the, was the limit for a medal. Okay, well, you know, maybe they'll... Yes. It, sounds, it sounds quite... Um, it sounds like, he, you know, he didn't do a lot to get his medal. It's not probably quite as bonkers as... Um, and I'm going to throw cricket in here, but Paul Collingwood getting, what was it, an MBE or an OBE oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For, playing, for playing one test match in an Ashes series. I don't think he took any wickets, and I don't think he scored any runs. So, you know... But we're going to try and move it on, because, like, you know, this podcast is going on and on, but we're, we're obviously all enjoying ourselves. We're, we're lubricating ourselves up. Like I said, the London Prime is absolutely flowing now, and uh, this will probably go on for the rest of the evening. But I'm going to say, listen, has anyone got any funny stories which, which is going to make them smile about the season at all. I mean, like, you know, and, 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 like proper, not, not like silly funny, like proper, like, 
Oh, that's quite funny, actually, that story. Anyone got any funny stories about this season? Could be about a player, could be about something that's happened or something else, or even about yourself. Uh, it was accidentally uh, away at Charlton when a seat ended up on my head. Um, and there was a whole will break your seats and he's got, a ch- he's got a chair seat on his head and accidentally I popped up in a video Oh this head he's got a chair seat yeah. all, all of a sudden I turn around and there's a red Charlton chair seat upon my barnet uh, which uh, was one of my highlights this season not for breaking Charlton property but uh, it was a funny moment for me I think, I think we've actually got that on video so anyone else got a funny story from this season puns I'm uh, sorry, this is the puns who puns is, uh, he, he travels with us pretty much home and away every single game. He's on a lot of the sort of post-match podcasts as well. And uh, he, he pops off every now to sort of Miami and Mexico because he gets a bit fed up at Brentford. And then he comes back again and he goes absolutely potty for it, don't you, puns? Yeah, I'm actually missing um, all of the pre-season because I'm fed up with Brentford going Vegas. Highlight <laughs> uh, of the season is definitely at Forest was, uh, was Jimmy Mack. Jimmy Max, uh, who's been on the podcast before, his uh, sympathy pains. I can't remember who went down. It was, I think it was, it was V. Hawksworth that went down holding the. But explain, explain the reason. What, what exactly what happened with this story? Uh, Jimmy, Jimmy Mack had a, had sympathy cramps for one of the Brentford players and uh, was escorted out of, of the ground. And uh, earlier why, on, why? Why? Uh, apparently because he's a human being. The steward. You say he's a human, but, but what what exactly happened? I mean, he was basically taking a piss out of his pillars, wasn't he? You can basically tell there's a lot of alcohol consumed because no one, no one knows what's what actually happened. Because quite clearly, Palms can't actually remember the details. Um, I think, I think, Palms, were you not trying to help him? Were you not trying to help Jimmy with his hamstring? I think you were stretching him in the aisle or something like that. Um, but the funny bit of that was when was when the steward did um, did threaten to throw him out, and Jimmy sort of got up limping and said that's alright maybe so can I just put my arm around you because it really does my leg really does hurt uh, my favourite part of the whole season like the funniest part was down at Bristol City he was getting the old, um, the old bumpkin after the game where um, well, he, he was trying to explain it was alright to kick a Brentford player in the head Harley Dean had been been properly properly duffed up by there by there by there by the, yeah that was Tarkowski was it and um, he, he, was, he, was, he was a proper speaking like that. He goes, oh, you cheating bastards. And um, it just made me cry. It was, it was just brilliant. Got a weird story, probably the weirdest place I've ever followed a Brentford game live that I haven't been at. We had our, our family holiday at the start of the season in the States, and I was in Boston when we played at Burnley. I had to go into a laundrette to listen to the last half hour of the game on Wi-Fi. It was the only place I could get any reception. So beach playing laundrette. My beautiful laundrette, yeah. I wasn't there, uh, but I was following on besotted updates. Uh, it was when Harry Potter got thrown off the train. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was on that train. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I saw it. I just saw. And I, we we all know who Harry Potter is by some stretch or form, but just seeing a tweet saying, "Oh." Harry Potter's now no longer on the train. Yeah, I must admit as well, talk about the Potter, because everyone knows the Potter. If you don't know Harry Potter, you need to know Harry Potter. He's an absolute character. He goes to most of the away games, and you'll just know who he is, because Harry does make himself known. And Harry's a, he's a great big, 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 big Bees fan. And he's absolutely made on it. And Harry, of course, went to Hull on a Tuesday night, and we were there in Hull, and Harry was on proper good form, and he was absolutely abusing the Hull fans and abusing everybody else and going mental. But 
all of a sudden, I, can't, I don't know where this chant came out of it, but the whole fans on our side again, it was one of those ones where the whole fans were in our end, so it's our end there, then it's a little bit of a, a little bit of a, an area sort of where there's no one, and then there's the whole fans. They started singing across the room, "You're just a shit Harry Potter," <laughs> and that was just absolutely quality. So that was that was that was a funny moment for me as well, like you know. So um, but anyway, any more any more funny moments, or we go we we ride out finally. It was funny for us. I mean, I don't think they were laughing because at that time there was a sort of full on fire drill from what I can remember. Yeah, we've got more phones than you. We've got more phones than you, is that? That was the last one. We've got more lights than you. The phone lights on. Yeah. So that's, that's right. Shit Andy Carroll, you're just a shit Andy Carroll to last AV. That was quite good. The fact that he actually the fact he actually took that on board as well, you know. So hello, I'm Andy, like, you know. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Scandinavian humor and he just flipped it, like, you know. So that's fair enough, that's right. I just want to know, look, there's been a load of rumours flying around for Brentford. Are there any rumours that you've heard that you think actually tell you that's quite good, I'd quite fancy that one. Sev. Scott Hogan to Celtic, I've heard. Anyone else heard it? You'd like yes. that, would you? No. Well, I'm asking, would you, would you quite like it? No, of course not. I mean, we, we, I mean, I could make up any rumour, and it's just like, you know, it just kind of, you know, it doesn't necessarily stand, does it? Oh, my favourite rumour was uh, Brentford are in administration. Oh. <laughs> oh. And you'd like that, would you? No, I just thought it was hilarious because it was so fucking stupid. I like the rumour that if you thought the project was going to plan that you were burying your head in the sand. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, controversial. That was a good good (laughs) rumour. I like the rumour that goes round that Mark Warburton was sacked. Oh, controversial. That's almost, as con- that's almost as controversial as saying that um, Rasmus Ankerson actually signs players. Oh, which is... Uh, ooh, that's a- anybody, any, anything else, anybody? McEachran back to Chelsea. That was quite good as well. That came out in the last week. Might go back. Well, that's not as bad as the Josh McLeod is actually going to start playing a game, is it? <laughs> Oh, sorry, sorry, Lewis. <laughs> so Josh from the North East. Yeah, that's right. He's from the North East. That's right, Nick. He's one of, one of Nick's mates. <laughs> what about this new one that Hogan might be playing for Ireland? Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, I think that might have been started uh, in the Bistrot. Yeah, in the Bistrot camp somewhere, actually. But that's not true, actually. It's not true at all. Because um, he, he, the thing that we say is that there's a word that we use, which is manners. 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 And we'd like to think that after Josh, um, no, Josh, uh, Josh Beck Hogan, <laughs> Scott, after Scott Hogan's been out, Jesus, there we go, it's like, it's a barrel finisher. Um, after Scott Hogan's been out for two years and Brentford sent him all over the world to do his things, he's come back and he's thinking, yes, this is my team. He's not going to go off somewhere else. He's going to go, manners, I'm going to see my time out here and I'm going to put these boys at the Prem, aren't I? You know what I'm saying? So, anybody else? There was the um, Brentford to sign um, Moses Adebola um, from, from Bromley rumour that, that reared its head. That was this season, right? Um, was it, no, 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 no that, was, that was true. Yeah, it was true. And uh, Crystal Palace actually nabbed him from us. Is that the one? Oh, no, Moses. Oh, yeah, Moses. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, the player that we had that we let go. And he was like, really rubbish. 
Oh yeah, that was terrible. That was. Any other any other terrible rumours? Oh, the other rumour that I heard during the course of the season that was um, Leeds United have won the um, European Cup. <laughs> but to be fair, I said it's, it's got to be a rumour from. It's got to be a rumour from this season, not last season, and the season before, and the season before that. There is, there is another awful rumour that Besotted is that the Besotted podcast is recorded without the aid of alcohol. <laughs> that's, that's actually that's actually a lie. <laughs> so that's actually a big. And listen, anybody else? Um, anybody? Oh, oh, puns, puns. Is right. There's been a very long-running rumour that Nick is a liberal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, actually, that was almost that, that was almost expunged um, during this season where we actually Nick went so far right that we, we had to try and pull him back to the centre, didn't we? We've had to, we've had to use winches to bring him back to the centre. <laughs> so listen, listen. Anyway, that's been our um, sort of kind of Brentford awards moment. And Man United have just scored, apparently, and um, which is all good. Martial, who apparently is on £1,500 a week, uh, apparently. But anyway, we will, we will move on. That's perfect. That was quite fun, actually. And I, Maybe it wasn't for you, but it was for us. But, um, <laughs> but we'll, we'll, we will move on, and we'll see what else we could talk about in the next sort of kind of five to ten minutes before we put this podcast to bed. So as this evening is coming to a close, we've had, we've had a bit of a laugh this evening actually, don't you, don't you reckon? Yes! No, no, it's been all good, it's, all been, it's been good, it's been nice, we're in the globe here, like I said, we come back home this evening, but listen, we've got to look forward to next season, and next season is, I think, personally, because you know I'm always an optimistic guy, and I think it's actually looking quite promising next season. We've started off the season on the right note. A lot of people said, we didn't want this season to end, but I think it's actually ended at the right time because everyone's going to go with a nice taste in their mouth. They go, All the players go off on holiday to Dubai and Vegas, wherever they go to. Come back, they'll have a proper hardcore closed season tour in Germany. A load of B fans will go over there like they did in that, in that Uwe Rosler era. And they'll come back thinking, oh, what a laugh this is. And then we'll start the season properly, not like we did last season all over the place in some sort of shambolic nonsense. But I've got the table of characters around me now. They're absolutely plied up with London Pride and beer and wine and all sorts of nonsense. So they're feeling good. So I've just asked them, I said, listen, the Super Bees are playing next season. If you've got one hope for next season for the Bees and one hope for someone who's not a Bee or something out of Bees, what are your thoughts? Anybody got any thoughts on that at all, Laney? I hope that Scotty Hogan stays fit during the summer. I hope he has a rest. I hope he comes back strong. I hope we finish higher than ninth. Mr. Mr. Headwood. The Headwood. Uh, I'd like us to do a double over QPR, home and away, and I would like Alan McCormack to trigger another year on his contract. Mr. Savvy B, who's Savvy B, who's done a lot of stuff with us as well. He also did a Come On You Brentford video and all stuff. And he appears semi-regularly on the podcast now. And you're, I'd say you're reasonably potty for it, aren't you, Sav? Yes. Uh, what I'd like to see at the end of next season is for all Brentford fans to love Dean Smith as much as we love Wolves. OK, I've got the... Oh, oh, oh. But I've got to ask a question. Why sack Wolves? Uh, yeah, why sack Wolves? Why sack Dodgy? Well, that is more to the point, actually. Why is that dodgy? Shall we, shall we dig further into... What about, is there anybody else that we want to talk about from the future? What about, you know, what, what, what about sort of Murray Jones or, you know, or, or Dean Holdsworth? Why sell Dean Holdsworth? Anyway, we'll go on. The Dutchman. 
I'd, I'd, I'd like to hope that Bielen comes back as strong as Hogan. You know, another guy we paid a lot of money for. If we can get Bielen to come back fit and healthy and, geez, half the player that Hogan is, that will strengthen the team down the middle. Have you got anything non-Bs at all that you did love? Hmm? Anything non-Bs? Non-Bs. <laughs> Anybody else got any, any any views? I've got Mr Paul Grimes here. I'd like one less sporting director and no mention of Andy Scott. Okay, that's fair enough. Everyone's, you know. And uh, I've got uh, the, the coiling. Uh, I'd like it to be a really uh, another really successful international break and uh, for the bees to come back firing at all cylinders again, as we tend to do. Indeed. Um, I've got, I've, got, I've got Ian, come here, Ian. I'd like to be able to take my son to see Brentford play at Villa and Newcastle clubs he's only ever known in the Premier League in his life. The Allard. Um, from Brentford, I'd like a sense of realism about next season, and um, it'd be nice if people go into the season with, I think, you know, realistic expectations. They might find they enjoy it a bit more. Um, and the other thing I'd like to say is I'd like to see, and I've maybe already referred to this a little bit, so the non-Brentford thing is um, all championship clubs to recognise what's going on in the Premier League and charge um, £30 or less for away supporters next season. Oh, and I'm just going to say this as well, because the Allard, I know you've not been in the last few podcasts because you've been doing some sort of international nonsense and now you're back with us and you're very happy to be with us. But we have uh, preempted the fact that, like I said, I did my little uh, chart to see what the away fans have charged all season um, for away games. And like I said, the, the, the cheapest was Bolton at £15 and the most expensive was Sheffield Wednesday at £36. Now you are going on a one-man crusade next season. Where you, where, and what exactly was that about the Allard? I'm toying with it, um, and and it would probably and it would uh, it's it's slightly flawed because they don't announce the, the ticket prices early enough. And that's well, the reason why I've yeah. done the chart so you can get an idea of what the ticket yeah. prices may be. But it may not be as simple as that. So it's maybe a bit flawed about, against buying um, cheap train tickets, and maybe you know. But ultimately, I'd like to not go to any ground that charges over thirty quid next season for an away game. Yeah. That's, that's the Allard, his, his personal thing. It'd be quite difficult if the bees are like flying in the league and you're going to places like Sheffield Wednesday and you need to go back. That won't be what stops me because once I decide to do something and I haven't decided yet, something like that wouldn't stop me. Okay, well, we should, so you've got to respect to that because somebody sticks by their principles and goes by it and that's what it should be all about. And uh, if everyone did that, then the, the authorities and people that did these things would realise that they, they ain't missing. We can't miss with us, you know what I'm saying? Anybody else out there? Uh, because they've been very tame this season, I'd like to see some edgy Brentford fanzine covers. <laughs> edgy fanzine covers, okay. Right, so I mean, we're not allowed to comment about that, apparently, so we should move on for that. But what I would like to say, puns, that apparently, this is slip, we've done a whole podcast until we actually found out this is your birthday today. Uh, I'm afraid so. So yes, so the puns, puns B is he's like he's gone for all, but he, he, he's actually he stopped himself right up. You know, keep singing, you can keep singing. Yeah. <laughs> stopped himself right up today, and he is actually feeling very, very happy. So he is actually celebrating ninth place today with a big smile on his face. Is yes. <laughs> yes. Listen, anybody else? Um, any hopes for the bees next season, or anybody who's not a bee next season? I hope for a stable centre-back pairing next season and I hope that all Brentford fans will get behind the team and not boo any of our players. Okay, all right. Um, anyway, we've got, uh, actually, Ali Malali is here in the house. Ali? I, 
I just hope that um, we can get the atmosphere up again at Griffin Park because like, it's been noticeably flat this season and you can say that we haven't always performed but I think that when you're not performing is when the crowd needs to lift the players and I think we just need to get that going a bit I, know, that's a, and that, I think that's a it's fair point from Ali and that's something that we need to probably discuss out of here because I think that I think part of the issue is that the, 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 the you know this is not having a go at but the people who are in power and everything like that they come in, they say, oh, this is brilliant because they see eight, nine, ten, ten thousand people in Griffin Park. They ah, oh, this is great. But they were never in the here in the days of Hate Corner and when everything else was happening, where Griffin Park was rocking with three, four thousand fans. It was an absolute, and all the away teams used to hate coming to Griffin Park because they thought, oh my God, this place is an absolute cauldron. And unfortunately, with the more fans we've got, it's not cauldron-esque for various reasons. But we won't go into that now. But listen, if you're listening out there, listen. Griffin Park could be ten times as loud as it could be, and uh, this needs to be sorted out. Oh, Mr Grimes. Why can't we sell just those few hundred tickets in that left-hand corner by the tunnel? Why can't we actually change the name of those tickets to Hate Corner Tickets and sell them as Hate Corner Season Tickets and get proper Hate Corner regulars in Hate Corner so that we can have 12,000 people and all them nutters hate corner nutters who I love in hate corner and the thing is that you know you've got sort of like you've got sort of Kurt and then and Mark Devlin are going hate corner what is hate corner what is this hate corner play? I've got no idea what they're talking about you know is it, is it like QPR the, you know is it you know the behind the goal anyway anyway let's let's move on anybody else look hopes for Brentford next season hands in the air please please is it oh yeah the headwards very quickly uh, let's see an improvement on uh, this year let's finish above ninth so, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. Anybody else, the Dutchman, have you, uh, have you, have you chipped in for uh, any... You did chip in, actually, didn't you? Yeah, you can chip in again. Anybody else chipped in? I mean, I haven't chipped in yet, but I'll chip in. I've got no idea what I'm going to talk about. Um, I'm, I'm, uh, uh, Gemma, come on. Yeah, remember my name, Billy. That's fine. Um, it's, that, it's that time of the evening. You know that. You know, you know. Billy goes at this time of the evening. You, I put the tablets on, and they come in, and they wheel me out. You know, and the Zimmer frame and everything like that. They put me to bed, and I feel very nice. I hope that Scott Hogan lives up to his potential for his sake as much as ours. Um, and I, I don't know. I fancy a bit more playoff heartbreak. I think we could have like Sam Saunders miss the final penalty in the playoff final or something like that. It's been a while, isn't it? I mean, why not? Fuck it. Uh, anybody else for any more? Any more? I'm just going to say to myself. For me, and a lot of your thoughts are there. For me, it's about the atmosphere. For me, I go to football. I love watching the football, but I love atmosphere. And like I said, I've been to a few games, which are not Brentford games, but the atmosphere is absolutely teething tremendous. And I think that we need to bring this atmosphere back to Griffin Park. Whichever way that may happen, we need to do it. I actually think the club needs to kind of give a little bit more leeway to the fans and let them actually create their own atmosphere as opposed to try and create some sort of corporate atmosphere where they want to sort of build some flags for us and put stuff beyond the stands. But that, that, that can be done. I think it can be done. And also the other thing is that I think that through all the crap that they've got, you know, I think a lot of the players have come through and they've done very, very well. A lot of the international players have done very well and a lot of the, the, the homegrown players have done very well. And I'm just hoping and I'm actually glad that Brentford have stuck to their guns and they carry on doing what they're doing and tweaking it. And I love the fact that our club has put their hands up every minute and say, here's a mistake here, here's a mistake there. We're going to tweak it, tweak it, tweak it. And don't do a Charlton, don't do a Nottingham Forest, don't do a Blackburn, don't do a Derby, don't do all these other things. Carry on doing what they're doing. And I'd love to see the fans actually getting behind them 
everyone getting behind them instead of having all these other agendas and thinking we know what we are and we know how to run football clubs and all that kind of stuff. Listen, just forget it, get behind the team because at the end of the day we're doing better than we've ever done, ever, ever, ever in our whole lives. And at the end of the day is that we're business, they're business people and they know how to run this thing. And it may go wrong sometimes, it may go right sometimes, but at the end of the day we're going the right kind of way. And at the end of the day is that if you know how to run a club and you think you can do it, take your 100 mil out of your pocket and you go and do it yourself. I'm not having a go at you, but I'm just saying. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm going off on one now, but I really do believe that. If you really do believe something, I believe if you run your own business, you're all about taking your money out of your pocket and doing it. But sometimes it's not about making mistakes. It's just, it's just judging when things aren't working. You know, you, you try lots of things. If you're at the cutting edge of anything, you have to try this stuff. And if it isn't working, you have to be brave enough to say, well, actually, this isn't working. I'll, I'll, I'll knock this on the head. It isn't always a mistake. Don't always lambast the club. Don't always be waiting there for the, a, a chink in the armour. You know, the, 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 the academy is going to be closed down tomorrow. It's going to be announced tomorrow. I'm noticing on, on, the, on, on Twitter already, there's people, like, you know, there's people waiting there. If it isn't working, don't carry on doing it. You know, these mistakes in life, the, the mistake is to carry on doing something that isn't working. Spot it, change it, move something. And maybe, it's, and maybe the fact is that it's not a mistake or maybe it's just something that doesn't happen right at that moment in time and you have to come back and have a look at it in two or three or four years' time. The fact is that, you know, you talk about the academy and we know it's... Just dear to like Benham's art, and he thought, but at the end of the day, it weren't working for us. And if we're gonna, if we're gonna be looking at going Premier League, at the end of the day, we're losing 15 million a year. We need to like concentrate our money in the right areas. It's probably not the time, but just picking up on Dave's point about things that weren't working, so they've made a change. And and I respect that Matthew Benham has done that. And one of the things that hasn't worked recently has been the change for Pedersen to become development squad manager. And is that the next change we're going to see after the academy closing today? Maybe that's something for discussion. Well, again, it's something that we ended at a couple of weeks ago where we said that maybe Pedersen was put in that position because at the end of the day, um, after Lee Carsey left, then there was no one to take it over as such and he needed an experienced person to do it. And Pedersen is experienced and maybe he will come into the fold in some stage. But listen, let's keep it up now because that's all bringing it down. But look, this is the end of season Brentford podcast and we are not going to do any more podcasts ever, we've decided. Okay, we will. At the moment now, we've got no plan to do any more podcasts till maybe just after the transfer window. However, keep tuned because if we come up with an idea in the week and we think, oh, whatever, we might do one. I've already got an idea for next week. We might do an international podcast. We might get some of the international people to come and speak about their, their experiences at Brentford. So keep in tune. We'll try and keep you up with the information as much as possible. But as you can imagine, we're pretty, 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 absolutely knackered end of the season, going to loads of matches and drinking lots of beer and talking about football. We haven't missed a game between ourselves, Bill. We haven't missed a game between ourselves for what, two or three seasons, actually, which is which is the truth, which is cool, you know. And at the end of the day, some people can, some people can't. And next season, that may change or whatever. But at the end of the day, it's all about how you support Brentford. Some people go to home games, some people go to away games, some people go to every game, some people go to games that they can choose to. So it's not really a problem at all. But look, this is the besotted pride of West London podcast. Please check us out in the summer. 
the uh, the podcasts in the summer are actually pretty good. The last ones that we that we did were absolutely, honestly, they were properly off the rocker because that's when you get all the information, the, the information, the gossip, all the stuff that's coming on, and those podcasts got ridiculous amount of listeners. So what you're saying really is we're going to do podcasts every week. Still, <laughs> I'm saying that there may be some popping up between now and uh, and June, and then after that, and also myself and Laney we're going to the Euros as well, so we'll be dropping some little podcasts from there and some video stuff from there as well. So that's all the score. But listen, beside Pride of Web this London podcast, what I want to say to everybody, thank you very, very, very much for listening to us and keeping listening to us and commenting and doing all the stuff that you can do. Really, really, really appreciate it. You can check us out every week and we'll be back next season. This has been an absolutely tremendous season. Respect to everyone, the players, the management, the fans, everyone like that. This has been brilliant. But all I can say is... days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com this podcast is proud to be part of the talk sport fan network talk sport powered by fans